date of recording, the 30th of May, 2021. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedant Thakari. For today's episode, we're talking about funding local journalism. And my guest for today is Jay Bradley. Hey, Jay, welcome back to the show. Hello, welcome. It's, it's good to be back. Love the show. Big Thank fan you. of Vedant over here. Thank you. So do you just want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, so I just finished my run as the news director of WICB, which is the college um, kind of local news focused uh, radio stations news department. Uh, and yeah, I'm having a good time just preparing to get into some internships in the summer uh, after you know a weird year in the pandemic. I, I've always had a big local news uh, focus, whether it be in stuff I consume or stuff I kind of push for. Uh, and that's really only been bolstered further by my time at Ithaca College's uh, journalism program. And um, just the more stuff I read, the more kind of important, I think, uh, a local focus and community focused um, reporting. It, it, it really is for kind of every aspect of it. As cheesy as it is, it, it is it, like you, people call journalism like this kind of um, vanguard of democracy or whatever. And I, I think that's true to an extent, but there's a lot of different forces kind of affecting that. And uh, most of the kind of benefits to quote unquote democracy that journalism can bring, in my opinion, are kind of local. And I, I'll, I'll definitely get into that more, but here I am. And so what exactly got you into journalism? I think you mentioned just keeping up and telling stories, but um, just oh, yeah. specifically. So, I mean, for me, it's always been, I, I was big into like 60 Minutes, Vice documentaries, that sort of thing. And like more longer reads uh, back in high school. And, and I got to IC and I tr uh, ended up joining a couple of things and trying it out <laughs> on for size. And I just kind of fell in love with uh, talking to people, getting to tell stories and, and sharing information uh, between people uh, and kind of exploring, like sharing different aspects of the world, whether it be things of interest or importance. And I think, you know, there's definitely a lot to admire in what people are doing nowadays. And there's a lot of concern too. So I think there's a lot I can do uh, in the industry, uh, hopefully down the road, um, to, you know, make a lot of things better, both in my community and in wherever I end up. So I know you've done journalism work in both radio and a little bit of newspaper. So do you have like a preference for print journalism or radio journalism? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think they fill different needs. I think, you know, the, the stuff I've, I've only done a little bit with like the Ithaca and the local, uh, uh, the student newspaper at Ithaca College. I've done a little bit. Uh, at home, uh, both in like local TV stations and in uh, a little, um, unfortunately, um, out of print um, local arts magazine and a couple other things. And I think, you know, there's different aspects to everything, uh, especially like regards to editing. Uh, you don't, it's a different workflow for different things. Uh, I don't know if I have a preference. I like I, I, my work in audio. I've liked in particular because of the amount of freedom and creativity it gives you in kind of painting the picture. Uh, but video is fun to work with too, and so is print. Um, they all have kind of a different different things you can do with them, even though it it all comes from the same base of writing and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think you already kind of touched upon this, but why is local journalism uh, very important to fund? 
Well, let me ask you that. What what do you think of when you think of local news? I think of stuff like court hearings, uh, board meetings, that sort of stuff. You're not going to go to those. (laughs) People don't go to court meetings for fun. I mean, there's some people that do, but they're kind of sickos who will go to these town board meetings. I mean, people will go to these and voice their opinions to like five, 10 people in the room. But the way that these, this information gets out there is having people there to tell it in a succinct and, uh, and uh, well-communicated way. And the only way to do that is to have, you know, the people at local newsrooms. Um, I, there was a fantastic uh, John Oliver uh, piece a couple of years ago in 2016 where he talked, uh, there was a quote from him or from, I believe it was the, um, he was a former Baltimore Sun reporter and then turned into the producer for the HBO show, The Wire. He was talking about how with the decline of newspapers in the internet age, specifically local newspapers, national papers, I'll get into are kind of in a good place, uh, kind of. Uh, how we are kind of in potentially like a golden age for local and regional um, uh, government corruption and, you know, scandal. Uh, Because if there's not people to there to focus on things, to be watchdogs, uh, they will, you know, be able to kind of run free without consequence unless things kind of go through the grapevine of social media, which is its own kind of rabbit hole of you don't really know what to trust because no one really has reputation there and there's like so many different you know echo chambers and all these other issues that people brought up on social media time and time again but yeah and also just the whole thing of i I feel like just in my personal experience like as the internet has and our world has become increasingly like more globalized and you can reach out to anyone anywhere I, i feel like it can be really alienating to some people to not be informed and involved about their local community, about the things that actually impact them when they go out to the store or when they buy a home or all these other things. And I mean, the only way to really foster that is to get them the information they need about a place. And how you do that is through local journalism. Like CNN is not going to tell you (laughs) what kind of events are happening in your downtown. Uh, The Huffington Post isn't going to tell you about what your local politicians are doing or what their goals are. They're not going to tell you what what people are running for office in your local town or school board. And these things are the things that will affect your day to day. And, you know, with the kind of advent of the Internet, we've seen a lot of different difficulties that have, uh, local news has really run up into. Um, Google and Facebook nowadays get uh, are estimated to get around like well over half of uh, all like ad- online advertising revenue. And so the previous model for newspapers back in the late like 20th century was, you know, they were pretty well off. They would, uh, you know, run classified ads, print ads, and also, you know, run off of subscription models. Uh, but then like Craigslist shows up, Facebook marketplace shows up. Um, there's different websites that kind of fill those niches. The, the newspapers stop becoming the kind of gatekeepers to information that people go to, to find out things about everything. And instead they now shift to being like, Hey, please, please click on us. Uh, we're important. Please, please, please. Because, uh, and 
you know, then advertising goes to these middlemen of social media where people go, they see the news articles and they click on them rather than seeing the newspaper first and then finding the advertising there. So that's been a really big hit. And I mean, then there's the whole, um, how do you get money from subscriptions? Because some people just aren't, you know, printing physical papers. Some people really like that still, and but it costs a lot. And, you know, subscriptions, digital subscriptions, there's often paywalls, but sometimes for local papers, there was a great um, piece in, uh, I believe, Harvard Business Review, uh, where it kind of walked through how it was really good for a lot of national papers, like Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, those are fine. Like they, their paywalls have worked, they were making money. Uh, but when it comes to like local and regional stuff, it, the decline in um, traffic and the unwillingness of a lot of people to pay uh, for you know paywall stuff is has kind of been tough, and it's been a, kind of a losing gamble for some people. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of a lot of real challenges right now. Uh, a lot of uh, you know larger firms buying local regional newspapers like Gannett and, and Gatehouse merging two years ago, and then. You know, they've both been kind of notorious for layoffs. Tribune, I really wanted to talk about this in particular because uh, a big hedge fund known for like cutting down newsroom staff uh, just bought out uh, Tribune Media, which has a bunch of big city newspapers like Chicago Tribune, uh, New York Daily News, Baltimore Sun, and a bunch of others. Uh, they've also shown to be a bit of like anti-union. And uh, yeah, there was a quote from a Chicago Tribune reporter that said, uh, ownership by Alden. Uh, would be a disaster for Chicago democracy and society at large. And that's like not what you want to hear. It's really concerning because there there seems to be a lot of like investor push to like, you know, get money out of these things. Um, and you see, we've seen things nationally like, you know, Bezos buying Washington Post and kind of like bringing that up to a paper of national importance. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of one of the most powerful people in the world having, you know, that huge uh kind of microphone but washington post does some really great stuff so i i don't know but the issue is when it comes to local and regional there's not you know there's like i said these big hedge funds they're cutting it for short-term profit and it's been really tough we've seen like hundreds of newspapers closed throughout the country since yep. you know 2000 and all of these issues with like informing communities community engagement uh, it's almost a one-to-one as we've seen newspapers decline. We've seen, you know, political um, polarization and antagonism uh, shoot up as well. A lot of people say we are, we're in a really concerning place. And I think, you know, having, you know, this a communitarian mindset fostered through local journalism and local, you know, engagement, I think is, is going to be really important for kind of the, f- the future of our country as, as much as that's a kind of a cheesy way to put it. Uh, I think, I think it really is important. You can't just focus on Washington for everything because Washington frankly doesn't matter for most people. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you so much about how, because of the internet, people just aren't going to the newspapers anymore. And you know, the New York times and the post, they'll be fine because they're big companies, but the local and regional, they're going to suffer a lot. And I actually interviewed uh, Hannah Bracinger about a year ago. She works for an NPR affiliate. And she told me that the CNNs and the Foxes, MSNBCs aren't going to cover like the Black Lives Matter movement in the local areas. They're more concerned with the national trends. Um, And that's more like radio journalism, but still with stuff like 
uh, BLM and even COVID, you know, they're not going to cover the local angle, which I think is more important to people than the national trends. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone's interested in, you know, especially if anyone's in the, the media uh, listening, there's a great book by, I believe he's a Northwestern professor, uh, Jock Lofter. It's just called Community Journalism. Uh, just a fantastic book, uh, just talking about kind of the importance and practices of having like a communitarian focus on news. But yeah, that's the thing. We've even like national stories, right? Every national story and something a lot of talked about is how every national story is a local story, but it has to be written as that. So let's say you take Black Lives Matter, right? Every single community has a different relationship with race, with policing. And if you just have a CNN reporter going to every super large city, like let's say they go fly into Chicago, New York City, Philadelphia, whatever, they won't get the full picture. They won't see it in the smaller metropolitan areas. And they won't see it in the more suburban rural areas. They won't see it in the full light of what's going on there because they're not attached to the community. They're attached to the country, which is you know good and fine if they're covering Washington or whatever. But there's so much local history behind every movement nationally and everything that is represented locally that, you know, you would expect them to have like working relationships with, you know, local print journalists and every journalism and everything, but it's just not necessarily the case. It's all the time it's referred to as parachute journalism. They just go in there and cover something. And there's like kind of countless examples of, you know, national organizations not giving kudos to, reporting of a uh, local or sometimes student we've saw in new, I believe yeah. new york times with the ithacan and the uh the cuts at ithaca college they, they didn't really give a nod which is too bad and um like you it's so easy to cover something and cover it under the national lens even if it's a small local community but it's also just as easy to get things wrong and once that new york times reporter is out of your community they don't have to the, the piece is written there's no blowback to it. But if you have a local paper, guess what? Uh, you'll have to see these people that you wrote about at the bar. <laughs> you'll have to see them at the, the town council meeting, all these other things. So like, So there has to be a, a certain level of devotion and care that local writers have that a lot of national writers just don't really have to because they'll be in the next city the next day. One of my professors, fantastic, Allison Frisch, always talked about how you have to when reporting, you have to really, you know, be involved in the community, not to the point of like having conflicts of interest or anything. You just be aware of that, but you've got to be attached to the people you're writing about in the sense that you understand them. You understand the context that they're at. You understand what the forces are at play, not just how the national is there, but why the national is there, you know? If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And can you think of a specific example where the national just did not fully capture the local angle? Well, uh, I was just talking to someone who um, spoke about how there was, you know, an issue with, you know, suicides and mental health in their in their hometown, and how there was just a lot of like specific things that it was co uh, covered by the New York Times and they just did not take the care that was needed in the in the community to properly represent the issue or the kind of emotional fallout to it and 
there's been a lot of stuff um, you've seen with especially disaster reporting with these local um, people suffering, but then you see the CNN reporter fly down to Puerto Rico and be like, look at that hurricane or whatever, and not really stay to see what the fallout is, not really talk to the people there who are really the ones affected by the issue. They're more focused on this big picture Mm -hmm. ideal, which, you know, is whatever for national, but they should refer, there should be a local news kind of infrastructure there that they refer to and, you know, work off of. And they should have like national papers, I think should have more uh, working relationships with people working in news across the country because there's always something they're going to miss by not, you know, understanding the full weight behind something locally. And I mean, national, they can't really do that all the time. I don't blame a lot of them for it, but it's like, it wouldn't hurt for them to link in the web story, you know, local reporting to get more of a personal view on that sort of thing, you know? And I wish there there was more, uh, you know, national buy-in to local because that's you know where a lot of information comes from uh you know if you watch tv news all the time uh, you'll see them cite local sources you'll see them reference it but unfortunately those local sources are the ones who are you know have been having a rough time in the last two decades so yeah and this is more of an international example but i couldn't help but think about the current covid situation in india where exactly, exactly. yeah yeah where the CNNs and the MSNBCs just go in there, do parachute journalism, as you said, and just show, oh, dead bodies, there's this fungus. Uh, hospitals are overwhelmed without capturing like the local angle. It's just clickbait, basically, like dead, tons of dead bodies. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, because I think when you and Himachri worked on it, you really took care to talk to these people. And I think that's something I didn't really hear in, you know, the CNNs, the BBCs. Uh, for Ithaca Now, which is like this news magazine by WICB 91.7 FM, we covered the India COVID crisis by interviewing doctors and health professionals and teachers. So if you want to check that out, you can go to www.wicb.org or look up Ithaca Now on Spotify. Yeah, I, I just finished my run as news director there. So it's it's been it's been a great time. But uh, you can definitely especially listen to the the recent best of packet uh, the best of episode and a bunch of other stuff. It, it's been it's been a blast, honestly, working with that show. Um, so what was that like for you and your family to see this kind of westernized coverage of something so personal and see it be kind of warped under this different lens. I know one of my family members who I talked to and her mother-in-law passed away from COVID about a week ago. Um, and she told me that she stopped watching the news coverage because it was just drone shots of dead bodies and cremations done on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's not the full picture. That's not, like there's so much, especially the like political ins and outs there. There's so many things going on that it's, it's tough. I mean, and, and it, it, you hate to see that like, as things have become, you know, there have been so many local movements. There's so many local like fallouts from like national events, like the financial crisis in 08 to uh, the, you know, political, um, divides that have emerged from 2015 on and you know the black lives matter protests and uh between like 
in the last like decade or so starting or a little bit more than the last decade from 2008 to 2018, there was like 25% of new, uh, newsroom staff that have been like laid off. Like that's not good, especially as people are like more and more falling into these rabbit holes of like, um, social media and everything else. And that's, that's kind of its own issue in a lot of ways. But like I said, you, you see like a, the political uh, divide and going up and up as newsrooms go down and down. And, and I, I think there's a lot of solutions that have been kind of presented. There's been a lot of really cool things within the kind of nonprofit sphere. I think the Texas Tribune, I think the Vermont Digger are phenomenal examples of what like nonprofit regional or local focus can do. The only thing is you get like, especially when you get into like the crowdfunded region, uh, you you run the risk of like kind of appealing to kind of like influencer culture. You get the, the temptation to appeal to like clickbait to get or sensationalism to get a little more, you know, direct support, which, you know, you have to be a little bit sensational. That's kind of what the whole point of a headline. But when you see like kind of the drama and debates that's going around the Substack platform recently uh, with people like Glenn Greenwald making, you know, hot takes on Twitter or whatever, and then funneling people back to his $5 a month uh, newsletter and like Substack recently doing like like a million dollar initiative to like fund some local news things like, sure. But like who's editing these people's work, who's holding them accountable. Like, I think, I I think like the newsletters and I'm in, can be an interesting, you know, uh, model to go after, but I, I kind of my doubts in their ability to like fully fill the gaps because they're not, they don't have the potential that like a possible like nonprofit organization has. That's why I kind of like in Ithaca, we've got like the Ithaca voice. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've had my own like 10 issues with the Ithaca voice here and there, but I think it's, you know, it's stuff like that can be really good. I think digital can save a lot of money, even though it has less you know, revenue. It's just a matter of having to kind of make sure you're doing enough different things that people buy into it for different reasons and you have enough incentive for them to pay for it. Like there's a lot of different funding models that can kind of go into local news nowadays. Uh, I mean, you've seen a lot of newspapers that run primarily off of advertising and subscriptions. Yep. Not doing the best. Uh, but there's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, you can have kind of local partnerships. A lot of crowdfunding uh, has worked for some people. That's how like NPR does it. Uh, they do grants and fundraising and uh, a lot of local NPR affiliates you hear like brought to you by or PBS and NPR just like viewers and listeners like you. So give it, but there's also some organizations like uh, the Knight Foundation that gives like grants and awards to local news outlets. Um, I mean, grants often are really good, but you know, they might not be the same every year. There's uh, that's, they require a lot of application processes. Um, And then there's like philanthropy, which also like brings into a lot of questions of ethics. Like say you get a bunch of money from a local like industry leader. Um, What are you going to do? Talk bad about him? Like what if they Mm -hmm. pay you off to not run a story in a roundabout way? Like that's, you can't do that. Um, 
but crowdfunding is, it can be really hard to convince people to buy into your thing. You got to have the right incentives. You got to have the right rewards. Uh, I think there's been a lot of interesting movement, especially in the realm of uh, podcasts uh, to kind of like Patreon model. Yep. Um, but again, it's like, how do you convince people to buy in to your thing for two, three or $5 a month? Uh, and you know, Google and Facebook have done their own like little local initiative or like support local news initiatives, in my opinion, a little bit to kind of push the news away of how they're, they've been really bad <laughs> for local news. Uh, I think it's kind of a cover up sort of like, look, we're actually helping them. And it's like, I'm, I'm more of a fan of how Australia did it with, they passed legislation recently to kind of force these platforms to have to pay news organizations now. Uh, I hope that other countries adopt something similar, whatever works for them, because Facebook and Google make a ton of money. Yeah. You know, not making a ton of money. Local news, you know what, relies on local news, Google and Facebook. So <laughs> so with the Australia legislation, do you think that could pass in America? I don't know. It, it depends on the kind of support that people have for it. It depends on how much buy-in there is to the idea. Um, I mean, these organizations, these Silicon Valley companies, they have much more influence here than probably anywhere else, uh, especially with the kind of legislative power that you know, the state of California has. Um, it's kind of debatable whether something like that could pass here. There have been kind of whispers of antitrust action against these companies for years. We've had them in congressional hearings and all these things. We haven't seen any real social media legislation. We haven't seen regulation show up. Uh, they've, they just like talking about it. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. I, I think as things become, you know, hopefully better, but potentially worse uh, in terms of the kind of negative impacts of social media in the country more, we might see some real legislation. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's one of those things uh, that is bipartisan on paper, but it's bipartisan in the sense that they both like talking about it as something to do and then both never do it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of the classic <laughs> US uh, strategy for not getting things passed. It's, you both agree and then not and sit on it. But I don't know. It's it's the thing is in the next ten years, I can't tell you where like print will go. I think you know we'll see more and more digital nonprofit work. I think we'll see more like newsletters and community run organizations run like part time or uh, through volunteers. I think we'll see, you know, TV continue to just slowly decline just based on how the medium's going. I think NPR affiliates will be fine. I think uh, radio NPR is like, has been in a fine spot for a while. They, uh, my local station even recently hired uh, some new reporters. So it's, it's weird. I think yeah. my, my issue with, uh, like TV has been pretty stable. Uh, a lot of people like will trust their local TV station and everything. Um, I'm still not the biggest fan of TV. I think, you know, a lot of local TV reporting, while really good and nice to bring in visuals, will like not really have the same level of depth allowed and are kind of limited in what they can do. Usually have a half an hour or, um, you know, a couple half an hour slots throughout the day. Um, but 
you know, they can, you can only do so much with a minute and a half, uh, piece. Um, and often the websites get kind of filled up with for extra revenue stuff that has really nothing to do with their market. Uh, yeah. stories kind of like internet chum nonsense, uh, ad links and all these things that make it so I don't really think anyone should have like local TV as their main or primary source of news. Uh, especially if you're going on the web and reading stuff. I think a lot of local news TV news places do a lot of great jobs. Um, I also unfortunately think a lot of local TV places have, you know, kind of career hoppers. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think, um, you know, it's hard to get, you know, really attached to the community when you have a two year contract and you're going up to the next market. Um, that's why I think like local print often, you know, fosters people who stay in there in, in the area for a little while longer, or at least have some of the staff that is like part, like part of me, part of the community. Um, but especially for stuff with like no pretty, pretty visuals or like no real glory in it, like, uh, you know, board meetings and, and, you know, the places where decisions get made a lot of the times TV stations won't go there because, you know, they have, you know, it takes a longer time to put together a video package and they don't have the time, they don't have the resources and they don't have, and it's not appealing to their viewers. So they don't go to it. Whereas a print reporter might, you know, have the time or ability to cover that better and more succinctly, uh, especially now because a lot of town meetings are uh, totally virtual. But it also comes at the same time that like a lot of people in the journalism industry are facing a lot of burnout because they, you know, in a lot of organizations like the ones that have had to face layoffs, uh, they have to do more with less. Uh, they yeah. have to cover more. They have to not only that, but they also have to have to promote their Twitter presence. Uh, and all of, all of these other things, which like are really good for getting some information out there, but it can, can be stressful. It can be a lot to deal with. Zoom has made it easier to like snag quick interviews and calls with people for both TV and print and radio. So that's that's nice, but it's still like they have a lot <laughs> they have to do, especially like, you know, I, I, I kind of trash on TV a little bit there, but you know, the MMJs who, the multimedia journalists who work at TV, they have to do so much. They do. They have to carry around the, this uh, big lug. They have to lug this whole package of uh, camera and tripod and everything around. They have to drive all over the place. And, and then they have to go back and edit everything super quickly to make the 6 p.m. news. And it's, it's tough. It's tough. But I just wish there could be that. Because I think TV news is in large part supplementary. I think they cover a bit different things. I think they make people happy a lot of the time. But I think, you know, the the kind of boring stuff, the that is kind of the most important for where you're living is kind of where print shines. And the decline of that is kind of concerning in a lot of ways. And also, like, you see how there's so many stories about how, like, people are distrustful of the news, whatever. Um, well, trust in local news, kind of like how trust, it's kind of comparable to trust in local politicians, like how everyone hates Congress, but loves their, their congressmen. Yep. Uh, you see, and there's a statista study, a bit less than half of people in the U.S. trust national newspaper, a little bit more for like public news and TV, and like a little bit less for like national TV channels, like, but when it comes to local TV, uh, 
like seven uh between like 73 and 65% of people like trust local tv uh, or yeah like about two uh three quarters of people like trust their local tv station and about 73 to 65% of people trust their local newspapers like there it's been shown to see that like people who have been interviewed who have spoken to a journalist trust the news way more yep they have you know more of a connection to these people especially people in these news organizations you know go out to events they talk to people they are part of their community that's what people will trust them more they'll have more buy-in it's so national heavy right now uh you don't have that trust you don't have that connection to reporters a lot of people have just never spoken to one or never really seen one whereas like when people do they're shown to trust them more because and especially like locally you see them on tv every day or you you see them running around town yeah i I think just it bodes well if local is better in the future if it finds a new business model that can be really strong and really effective i think we'd be better off just kind of everywhere um but it's it's a real question it's like where will we be in 10 years what kind of business practices and models will emerge that potentially make it more sustainable or will it continue to decline i don't know i don't know and i'll you know be doing my darndest to find (laughs) ways to look at that and examine that and try to help it but you know, we'll see. I'm hopeful, but I think uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of concern still, and there will be for a while. There will be. And you mentioned a little early on about local fallout. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Uh, in what sense? I think you're talking about like local fallout from national something during Wall Street. I think you mentioned something about Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. So like when the economy crashes, when there's national, when there's like, tragic events of national importance. It just goes back to the idea that every story, every national story is a local story if it is if it is written that way. So you can see a statistic about these many people lost their homes in, you know, the 2008 financial crisis, but you don't get that personal narrative that connects it to your community. You don't see the names that you recognize. Um, if if they just pull the story from AP or from a wire service like CNN, rather than you know going out and talking to those people, and they can only do that if they have the funding, the resources, and the personnel to allow themselves to do that. Uh, sometimes I pick up my local paper, it's a Gannett paper, uh, Press and Sun Bulletin, Binghamton, New York, and you get like one or two local stories in a full paper, and that's too bad. They have like six people working. They're in the editorial staff right now for uh, for a metropolitan area of like 230,000 people. That's not enough. But how do you get them that resource? How do you get them the resources to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to mention two quick examples of national versus local. So I'm sure you've seen this article somewhere on the Internet that um, this this middle schooler like stabbed a girl in his class a hundred something times and he's facing first degree murder. And that happened where I used to go to high school. Mm-hmm. And so then the national brands just covered the very basics, whereas um, the local ones covered it in much more detail. And second with, I'm sure you've seen the yearbook censorship article. I think it was 80 something girls at a high school, their photos were censored because they showed a little bit too much cleavage or something. 
and it made international news. I mean, even in Japan, they're talking about it. NPR's talking about it. It's, it's just everywhere. And that happened where I went to high school. And so for that, I've been subscribing to the local press where they do like board meetings and interview the students at the local level that you won't really get at the national level. Hey, listeners, I was just listening to this episode while editing and I just want to clarify when I said that this happened where I went to high school. I did not actually go to this high school. It was in the same school district. That's what I meant to say. Anyways, now that that's been made clear, here's the rest of the episode. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you start reading for something like that, you'll also like if you if you keep reading, you'll find like, oh, what's going on in the, this area this weekend? What have local politicians done? It's it's important to read this. But how do you get people's eyes back to local? How do you get money into local? I, th- I think a big answer is really in youth engagement. I yep. think there. I think it's important to really foster. Uh, I think a lot can be done regarding you know connections to school uh, school districts. For example, you can run uh, make deals to say if you're an independent group, uh, you can make deals with the the local schools to run like the school's newspaper through your website, something like that. Uh, have have buy-in from the local community in one way or another of like telling them where events are. Have have you know a podcast perhaps uh, for for people who are into that. Uh, have you know live events have been a a, a thing for uh, you know some local, uh, some regional nonprofits have done a lot of really great things with events. Uh, you just have to have a really de- how I see it, uh, you have to have a, like a diverse revenue stream. Not everything will come through crowdfunding. Not everything will come through events. Not everything will come through um, advertising, but you have to have all of them in some kind of sense. And that's kind of where I see it going personally, if it were to succeed, this diverse kind of here and there, a bunch of different revenues coming into something bigger. Uh, you can't fully put all your cards into one hand of advertising because that doesn't work online you can't do everything crowdfunding because well what if people don't get as much into it immediately that's something that will grow slowly over time um but yeah i I think you know making sure that people are engaged with it engage like engaged with your content that's been something we've seen in media a lot over the last 10 years like engagement fosters you know success in a lot of ways. And I'm sure you've noticed that too. Yep, I have. So I think, you know, local organizations, especially because a lot of people who run them are probably older, not as tech savvy. I think they need to kind of figure out ways to do that for themselves. And I think there's a lot of desire for it too. I think a lot of people, especially as they go away to college now, uh, this happened for me. I know it happened for other people too. They've become more interested in either the community they're in there or their community at home they start to miss it and you know they go back and they're like there's nothing to do here well that's not true you just don't know about it no one knows about it except for the small circles within that community because it's not written about it's not told it's you don't know where to go what to do because there's not the people who are fostering that community and so you see a lot of people like leaving smaller regions going to cities and everything and it's like or being in their small smaller area and being a little more alienated and i think that doesn't necessarily have to happen i think there's a lot to do everywhere i think there's a lot that can be done everywhere i think just the best way is to get people knowledgeable about it get people involved get people in their community whether it be in 
you know, just going to events or going to volunteer somewhere or everything. They just need to know about it. They just need to be proud of where they live. They need to be happy with their community and they need to be told what's wrong with it in order to work towards bettering their community. And I think if you don't have these things, if you just see like the fun little thing that the TV news is covering that given night, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the same as if you had a, a vibrant, the same kind of vibrant coverage you would have in the, let's say uh, the 20th century with heavy uh, successful newspapers. I definitely agree with that. Everything you just said, I a hundred percent agree that, you know, there is stuff happening around us. We just don't know about it because it's just not covered enough. Yeah. And so it'll take people who have, you know, especially young people who have a lot of guts, who have like a technical know-how, uh, whether it be web programming or otherwise, it'll be people who, you know, can really hunker down and push forward. And, you know, it's going to be hard. But I think there, I think there's ways to go about it. I think there's ways to kind of foster uh, like communitarian focused journalism and in places in a new way. It's just, we need people to be brave and go out there and find these new ways and bring, you know, local and community focused mindsets and reading and writing into the 21st century in a way that's different from what it was before, because what it was before won't work. We've seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, the internet has changed too much. We, it, it, we can't just point to this is what worked before and do that because there needs to be so much more. But there, there also needs to be less of other things. Like physical print is nice, but I think daily, my opinion on daily print is that I don't think it'll really work. I think what you can do is probably more sporadic releases of print work, like a, like a weekly or a monthly magazine, perhaps. I think a lot of people do enjoy the novelty of a print magazine, especially. I think it can be kind of comparable to a vinyl record in the sense that it's like, it slows you down. It's more fun in a lot of sense for some people, but it's not something that everyone's going to engage with. A lot of people like to just, you know, like you listen to music on Spotify, they like to read stuff on their app, on their phone. And so you have to make sure that you're making money in the correct amounts for both people, uh, both types of people. And I think, you know, it probably costs too much to run a daily print newspaper, but yeah. at the same time, there will be people who will really, who are attached to the print newspaper, especially in uh, the people who buy into like Gannett papers and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, you have to have, you have to have something for everyone. And that's, it's hard. You've, it takes a lot of studying. It takes a lot of like looking at your demographics and figuring out what's needed. Um, but I think, you know, if there's anyone out there who's like <laughs> looking for a mission, I, I think, you know, this it, reviving local news is a very honorable and, you know, important thing uh not only whether you're someone who's a political activist who says we need more democracy in wherever well how will you inspire people to do that if the only thing they read is the national papers how will you inspire people to vote if the only thing they're voting for is the president every four years how will you um inspire like people to give back to um you know poor people or whatever out or like racial justice organizations, all these things that we've seen are really important. 
how do you expect people to do that if they don't know about the local initiatives there right in front of you? How do you get people off of just posting about things and doing things? Well, they can't move to where wherever in the country. They have to do it right there. And guess what? There are things doing that right there, but they don't know about it. Um, I think, you know, there's there's just so much importance in, in local locally focused news and writing that we really need revived. And I think it'll take hustle, but I think it can be done. It can be done. It's just going to take... A lot of research. And I like how you mentioned that there is no one size fits all when it comes to subscription models, because every place, every medium is so different. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you can't, you can't just say like, we're going to run only print <laughs> uh, because, you know, not everyone buys into that or like, we're going to run only digital. It's like, well, that can be tricky. You need to have some in-person aspect to things. It, there's, and it all depends on like what the demographic you're looking at wants because no one has yet found something that works for everywhere. Uh, cause it used to be, there was something that works for everywhere. You have the print print newspaper with a mix of advertising and classified revenue, but now that doesn't work. So someone has to find something, something new, something that's, that works not only in the sense of that it makes money, also in the sense that it can have a, a big enough staff that it can produce good work. Yes. And so before this interview, you pulled up a ton of resources and uh, studies, I believe. So are there any other ones that you want to mention? Yeah, I think, I think you can do a lot of reading in um, how local news has been impacted. I think the New York Times has done a lot of uh, good writing about it. Uh, impact on local news. I think, you know, there's a lot of good data in Statista, in Pew Research Center, in ProPublica. Um, and of course, Columbia Journalism Review, uh, which is kind of an industry uh, journal, has done a lot of really good writing on it too. Um, but really, there's so many resources out there about the kind of tough spot that local, local news is in. But there's also a lot of good things. I, I think you should definitely take a look at what the, the Vermont Digger has been doing, what the Texas Tribune has do, been doing, and see how they've you know, really pioneered this new way of nonprofit online journalism. I think it's been really cool. Um, but yeah, just there's so much out there to read about for this. And then, you know, take a look at what your own hometown is doing see where the gaps are and see what needs to be done and then think about how that could possibly be fixed. You mentioned how sometimes people like to just read physical newspapers and <laughs> that's very true for me too. Like at Ithaca College, um, I used to buy, I mean not buy, but get physical copies of the Ithaca in our college newspaper, even though I could just find the articles on their website. And I know that you've done it a couple of times too, right? Yeah, of course. And so, Jay, do you have any final comments, like anything you want to bring up really quickly or reiterate? Yeah, I think I, I think it would be helpful if everyone takes kind of a, a look at not only what their local news is doing, but also where the gaps are, what you are reading, how your habits might be made better by consuming more local content and getting involved in your local community more. And also make sure if I know it's a tough spot for a lot of people still in the pandemic and everything. Um, but 
if you can, if there is a local nonprofit news organization, whether it be NPR or whatever, uh, or if there's a local newspaper that's, you know, selling subscriptions, it, it always helps to be more informed about your community. So make sure to engage with them because they, they need it. And until some, until the new magic thing is <laughs> discovered to make everything work, um, local journalists run off of what you give them in terms of buying subscriptions, in terms of donations. So make sure in order to make sure your community runs well and in order to make sure you know what's going on in your community, that you are supporting these local organizations. All right, Jay Bradley, thank you so much for agreeing to be on Let's Talk Media with Vedant Bakari for a second time, especially because I'm sure you're like super burnt out from college, like three semesters online. So thank you so much. Yeah, this chair has been a bit worn out, I'll have to say, but... It's, you know, I, I, I don't look at the pandemic as something that has been a loss or anything like that. I've looked at it as I have learned and practiced different things, not any better or worse, just different than I would have otherwise. And I think that's totally fine. All right, Jay Bradley, thank you so much. You got it.